G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Hello and welcome to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth across six continents for more than 30 years. Think about this. Judas Iscariot denied Christ, giving him up to authorities for death. Peter also denied Christ three times, publicly. Following his denial, Judas stepped into the darkness of suicide. But Peter embraced God's grace and mercy, living a transformed life of service. Today, Dr. Yusuf helps you further understand Peter's transformation through the words contained in the little book of Second Peter. Listen and hear God's word declare, it's never too late. Here's Dr. Michael Yusuf to begin. Today I'm beginning a new series of messages from Second Peter, and I'm calling it, It's Never Too Late. For a reason, and you will become apparent as we go through the series, but I'm just introducing it today. Second Peter is one of those epistles that's seldom preached from. It is seldom quoted by preachers. It's one of those things. And yet, it is filled with encouragement. It is filled with warnings against uh, subtle spiritual deceptions that seem to be invading churches all across the land today. We're facing so much deception today, and that epistle is saying, wake up, wake up, don't fall for the deception that the world is preaching and the false preachers are preaching. In fact, as I began to study the passage afresh and look at it with fresh eyes, I am convinced that it is written for our day. Today, my beloved friends, you know this and I know this, that discernment discernment among church-going folks, discernment on the part even of some of the elect is so lacking that it is discouraging at times. The despondency and the lethargy on the part of many a church who refuse to stand up and be counted is enough to discourage us at times. The attitude, well, it's too late. We can't do anything about it. It's pervading our society, pervading our churches. Beloved, it is time for the people of God to rise up, to stand up, and stand for the truth of the gospel. Now, let us look at those first verses of 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a doulos, an apostle of Jesus Christ. The one thing that you notice I use the Greek word for, not the English word for, for a reason. Most people will skip through it and don't really give it enough attention, but if to Peter, this is a very important word. Peter is saying, hey, I'm not ashamed to call Jesus my friend. No. He didn't say, well, I'm not ashamed of calling 
Jesus that I'm his follower, no? Or he's not ashamed of calling that, hey, I was the chief apostle, the chief disciple of Jesus. No. I'm not ashamed to be called the doulos of Jesus. Can you say that with me? The doulos of Jesus. And he chooses that word deliberately. Perhaps his mind going back to the doulos who worked in the chief priest's house, the servant, the slave to whom he denied Jesus three times. The doulos of Jesus. I'm the bond servant. I'm the bond slave of Jesus. Peter, who once denied his Savior and his Lord and his friend Jesus to a slave girl, he is saying, now I am proud to call myself the slave, bond slave of Jesus. Think about this. For over three years, Peter walked with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He lived with Jesus. In fact, Jesus came and spent many a night in Peter's house. More than that, he promised Jesus, he said, if they all deny you, I will not. And yet, when the chips were down, he denied any knowledge of him to our slave girl, and even with cursings. So now, he describes himself as the slave of Jesus. Although Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Peter is saying, yes, I understand that, but I choose to call myself a bond slave of Jesus. In a society that does not consider a slave even a human being, he is saying, I am honored to call myself bond slave of Jesus. In a culture where slaves are considered to be slightly better than animals, and a culture where the term doulos is so demeaning, even in a normal, polite conversation, Peter says, I am proud to call myself the doulos of Jesus. Why is that so important? Why am I dwelling on it? Listen to me. Here's what a doulos means. It's not just a title that you take on yourself. But a doulos of Jesus means that I am totally owned and operated by Jesus, that I'm totally possessed by Jesus, that I'm totally at the disposal of Jesus, that I have unquestioned obedience to Jesus, and that I'm constantly, regardless of what I do for living, I am in the service of Jesus. Not only that, but he said, I'm also the sent one. I didn't come on my own authority. I didn't come because I think it's a good thing. I didn't come because it's a lucrative job. I am sent. I am apostle. I'm the sent one. And beloved, this is very important in any leadership in the Christian life. It's very important. Leadership is serving Jesus' agenda, not ours, not the church, not the denomination. Leadership is serving Jesus' plan, not ours. Leadership in Jesus' service is placing Jesus' word above man's word. That was not always understood by Peter himself. That was not always the attitude of old Simon before he became Peter. This was the attitude of Simon was different from this attitude of Peter, the new Peter. Here's a fact. Listen to me very carefully, please. The moment you come to Jesus Christ, and the moment you confess your sins, and the moment you receive His forgiveness and His eternal life and salvation, that moment 
you're going to have the old you and the new you, as Galatians said, in a state of war. The spirit warring against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. Let me tell you something. Every one of us, including your pastor, have an old Simon in all of us. It is the Simon of self-centeredness. It is the Simon of self-will. It is the Simon of self-adequacy. It is the Simon is boastful and braggadocious. Simon the proud. Simon that gets credit for everything. The Simon of self-importance. The Simon who's up and down all the time depending on the circumstances. But when Christ came into our lives, He gave us a new life. We became a Peter, the servant. Now the bond servant. The shepherd who feeds on the Word of God. The new Peter, the shepherd who feeds others upon the Word of God. The shepherd who leads people into the presence of God. The shepherd who cares for God's people through the Word of God. And that can only happen when you come face to face with the fact that both faith that we believe and righteousness that we receive both come from the Christ of the cross. The person who says, for whatever reason, whatever reason, young or old, doesn't matter, for whatever reason, well, yeah, it's too late for me. It's too late for me to do this. It's too late for me to do the other thing. That person does not understand that Jesus' righteousness is fully covering us, the redeemed. Here's the Holy Spirit strategy here, speaking through Peter in this epistle, in both of epistles, in all of the Scripture. But here it becomes so clear. Here's the strategy. It is something simple that most of you would understand. That the best defense is an excellent what? God bless you. <laughs> you made my day. I studied the game when my son Jonathan was playing football. In the game, the offensive line protects the quarterback. If there is any weakness in that defensive line, the quarterback's safety is in jeopardy. Why? The hostile defense will come bearing down on him, and when they sack the quarterback, he is in jeopardy. The game is in jeopardy. Here, Peter's greatest concern that this is the last word he's writing to the believers. His biggest concern is that for the believers not to be deceived. And here, what he wants to do, he wants to explain that their possession of the power of God through the Spirit of God is unquestioned. That when they received Christ, they received everything. Their unquestioned power to be on the offense is God's gift to them. Like the offensive lineman, he is trying to protect all of us who are right behind him. How? By telling us that Christ not only gave us salvation and eternal life, but he also gave us his righteousness, not ours. The Bible said self-righteousness to God's in his own sight looks like a dirty rag. So no one could ever say, no one could ever say, oh, it's too late for me. At any point of your Christian life, whether you're young or old, it makes no difference. No one can say, oh, it's too late for me. Christ gave us both grace and peace. Why did he do that? 
to keep on transforming us every single day to the likeness of Jesus Christ, seeing that His divine power has granted us everything. How many? Everything. Has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through true knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and excellence. Let me ask you a question. What had happened in your life in the last week, two weeks, quarter, year? Suit yourself, whatever works for you. What happened in your life that could not have happened had there been no Holy Spirit? Please, answer the question to yourself. Let me rephrase it. How did you draw on the divine power that you already received? Himirat, please, this is important. Having received this divine power when you came to Christ, it's indisputable. Look at the verse again. Let me give you a different translation. His divine power has given us all things. How many? All. Pertaining to life. You know, sometimes I hear people when they pray, I said, oh, God, give us more power. Now, wait a minute. I want to stop. Stop the prayer meeting. <laughs> he already gave us all the power we need. The problem is not that He has not given us the power. The problem is we're not appropriating the power that He gave us. Yes. Verse 4 tells us how to appropriate this divine power. And uh, there are some people who actually think that God somehow sort of miserly drip-drabs His grace and His power, and He's kind of a very chinchy God, you know, gives you a little bit, and then you ask for more, and He gives you a little bit, He gives you more. No, no, no. The Word of God is that He gave us everything. The word precious here means not only it's costly, it's priceless, it's precious, but it says it means also that He generously gave it. And that is why those who say, oh, it's too late for me, they're insulting the promises of God. They're insulting the Word of God. They're insulting the gifts of God. And the word precious here again is one of those favorite words for the Apostle Peter. Just like in the first epistle, the word hope is a favorite word. Here in the second epistle, the word precious is very important to him. It's very special to him. He tells us about the precious blood of Jesus. He tells us about the precious faith that Jesus gave us. He tells about the precious promises that we have in Jesus. And Peter probably is thinking of the time when he was sitting with Jesus, and Jesus said, it is better for you that I go to the Father, because when I go to the Father, I send you the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, right on schedule, God poured out His Holy Spirit, and He's been dwelling in the believers ever since. Amen. 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 Now, we are partakers of the divine nature of Christ. Because the Holy Spirit came in us, and as we appropriate those promises, and we know that we have become partakers through the indwelling Spirit in the divine nature of Christ, when the Spirit of God possesses us. The question is, I wonder when was the last time did you actually appropriated the blessings and the power that God has given you? I was thinking, how can I explain this? In case somebody's still sitting there and said, well, 
Well, what's this appropriating of the power and so forth? Let me give you a, a human illustration. Illustration is never perfect, but let me give you just something from every day you can relate to. Because sometimes I see believers after they give their life to Christ, and, and they may go to church and they go to Bible study, but they're living their Christian life in shambles. They really are. They're constantly in defeat. They're constantly discouraged. They constantly need propping up. And it would be like somebody who decided to deposit $100,000 in my bank account. Meanwhile, I don't know about it. I've never really went and cashed any checks on it. And whether I may know about it in theory, but I'm not really sure whether I can get it. Whatever reason is going on in my head, I live my life in shambles. I mean, I'm in utter poverty. My car is about to be repossessed. My house is about to be foreclosed on. Yet the money is sitting in my bank account. Verses 3 and 4, look at them again with me. Now, here's a Yusuf translation. Hopefully, it will help again. Here's the first part of chapter 3. Please, please realize that divine power that is given to you, appropriate it. Paul puts it the same way in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who's able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what we think or imagine, here it comes. Here it comes. You ready for it? According to the power that works within us. Where does it work? You have it. God supplied the believer with his spiritual power. It's beyond question. It's beyond question. It's repeated throughout the Scripture. Now, when somebody says, well, I'm not living in that power, I'll tell you why. What happens is that we choose to destine ourselves away from the power of God. How? by continuously living in sin and rationalizing that sin. We don't separate ourselves from Christ because nothing separates from the love of God, but we separate ourselves from that power. Instead of appropriating it, we're actually separating ourselves from it. There's some people fail to use the power of God to appropriate it because of willful disobedience to the Word of God. It has nothing to do with the fact that God has given it to you. But what? all of that does not mitigate the fact that He's given it to us. The word granted, that He granted it to us, is in the perfect passive participle. Well, what does that mean? It means that He gave us to us in the past when we came to Christ, when we came to Him by faith and received forgiveness and eternal life. But the continuous results of that gift it goes on day after day after day until we go to heaven. Now, beloved, please listen to me. God's gifts are permanent. God's gift of salvation is permanent. God's gift of justification by faith is permanent. God's gift of reconciliation is permanent. God's gift of redemption is permanent. God's gift of grace is permanent. But the believer who's constantly living in a state of defeat is doing this. Instead of learning how to appropriate the power that's given to them, they think, ah, what I need is a new experience. Have you met some like that? (laughs) I need to go on a spiritual high. Uh, What I need is private revelation. 
or what I need is a deeper life, or what I need is to get myself in the place where I can get into an emotional high, and that's going to help me. (laughs) They are forever feeling that there's something missing in their life. And so they go from place to place, from experience to experience, looking for it, whatever it is. (laughs) He gave us how many? Everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything. So before you go running around looking for it, (laughs) whatever it may be, kneel on the promises of God. Begin to appropriate what you already have. Start writing checks on that account. (laughs) Start using that blessing that He already gave you. Please listen carefully. That is why, as believers, we must feel eternally secure. But not only God gave us His divine power, but secondly, He gave us His divine promises. He already said all, the verse before, all applies for all these things. The divine promises, the all yours. He has granted us, or He has gifted us, or He has endowed us with all precious, magnificent promises. The Lord bestowed all of these incredible blessings and promises on us so that we may become partakers of the divine nature. Jesus came down so that He may take us up. Jesus took on our human nature so that He may impart on us His divine nature. Jesus died so that we may live forever. At the communion time, when you walk down these aisles and you receive the bread and the wine, you are a partaker of the elements. In the spiritual realm, it works the same way. As we renew our covenant with Christ every single day on a daily basis, as we appropriate the promises of God on a daily basis, we become partakers of His divine nature and appropriate of His promises. You see, Peter was fighting false teaching, heretical teaching, I was sneaking into the church. It's some of the stuff we see in many in the mainline churches and even some evangelical churches today because so much of the Eastern mysticism has sneaked into many a Christian church today where the emphasis on the importance of attaining transcendental knowledge. And Peter is saying, when you become born again, you got it all, so live like it. You have everything you need for life and for godliness. You have how many? And so, my beloved friend, the moment you find yourself getting into despair, the moment you find yourself becoming despondent, the moment you say, oh, it's too late now. It's too late for me. Remember the precious promises. Thank you for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for this very special Leading the Way. Hey, perhaps today's words have awakened some long, unaddressed faith questions. Well, you're encouraged to have a conversation with one of our pastoral team members to compassionately look at where you stand spiritually. Start the process at ltw.org slash Jesus. ltw.org slash Jesus. You know, many people around the world have connected to Jesus through the ministry of Leading the Way. 
and we wanted to share one of those stories with you today. You see, it's through your prayerful support that these connections are made possible. A note came into our office from a man in Algeria who writes, Whenever I listen to your programs, I feel peace. I've learned about God's love, and every day my love for Christ grows. Much of the growth comes from listening to your teaching that always directs me to God's Word. Thank you. I do hope you've been encouraged through this powerful testimony. Well, thank you for taking a moment to join with us today. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.